0: We heard a song on the radio on the way to church this morning called, The Good News Never Gets Old. And I thought, what an appropriate introduction for the scripture reading. It's like God gives you these things. They just come out of nowhere. The good news never gets old. Our scripture reading for today is from the gospel according to Mark, chapter 12, beginning to read at verse 28. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, And with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one. And besides him, there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
1: Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. I had a friend who was raised Jewish, no longer considers himself Jewish. In fact, he had a lot of disdain for the tradition of his birth. Me, on the other hand, sometimes I think, I kind of, I've always wanted to be Jewish, and I can't be Jewish because my mother's not Jewish, so I'll settle for Christianity. (laughs) (laughs) It's a joke, obviously. But this friend of mine dabbled with all different kinds and versions of Christianity growing up. And one day I asked him what made him reject the tradition of his birth. He said, look, there's 613 rules you've got to follow. It's ridiculous because it's impossible. Jesus, he said, made a whole lot more sense. Two rules, love God, love neighbor, now that I can handle. Two rules instead of 613. And the 613 rules he was talking about is the number of commandments found in what Jews call the Torah. I mean, we have the Ten Commandments, but then there are the Commandments. Found in what Jews call the Torah, and Christians, we as Christians refer to them, refer to it as the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. These 613 commandments are what most observant Jews believe is what has been given to them as God's people, as their way of life, to honor God in the world. So obviously, my friend, and I'm guessing most of us here. 613 sounds kind of overwhelming. On the other hand, 2 sounds like a lot less than 613. I mean, I did fail grade 10 math, but I can tell you (laughs) that 613 is a lot more than 2. The two rules he was referring to love God, love neighbor, are to be found in today's scripture passage. A scribe, it says, overheard Jesus laying the theological smackdown on his opponents. And the scribe was quite impressed with Jesus' answers, which is kind of strange because pretty much everywhere else in Mark's gospel and the rest of the gospels, the scribes are lumped in with the Pharisees' as villains, as opponents of Jesus and his ministry. But this guy, he likes what he hears. He wants to get at the core, the essence of Jesus' philosophy and his teaching. So, Rabbi, he asks, which commandment is the first of all? Referring, of course, to the 600 and 13 commandments of the Torah. Which commandment of 613 comes first before any other? Basically, in asking which commandment is first, this scribe is asking Jesus to summarize his teaching in one law. So it's like, quick, Jesus, you're caught in an elevator with a non-believer. Give him the whole Torah, 20 seconds or less. Go. And this is how Jesus replies. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment there are no other commandments greater than these. You'll notice of course that Jesus kind of cheats a little bit because the great commandment commandment is actually two commandments. And you'll also notice that the two commandments are cribbed entirely from two books of the Old Testament. Two things they can be found in the Old Testament. Jesus didn't invent these words. Love the Lord your God is from Deuteronomy chapter six, and love your neighbor is from Leviticus chapter 19. These are some of the least probably, you know, seeker-friendly books of the Bible if you go reading. But it makes sense that the approving scribe approves of Jesus' teaching too, it's directly from the Torah. You're right, Jesus, he says. Love God, love neighbor. These two things are more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices put together. He's talking about ceremony, to please God. And the scribe, of course, sounds like my friend. Love God, love neighbor. then the other 613-11 commandments don't matter if you don't do these. It sounds straightforward. You kind of go from a checklist that's pages and pages and pages long to two that fit quite easily on one side of a business card. It sounds not only simpler, it sounds a lot easier, a lot more attainable for the average person. It sounds so much more... Achievable. But if you pay attention to the commandments, if you stop and think about, sorry, it, it's supposed to be one commandment, two commandments within one, bound together, if you actually consider Jesus' words, it's actually the opposite of achievable. It's the opposite because I don't think we fully understand what Jesus means by love. For us modern North American people, we only have one word for love, and it's the blanket word for love. Kind of like saying to my wife, I love you, and I also really love these French fries. <laughs> Which, I know, it's sometimes it's a contest, right? <laughs> only one word for love. Love is a feeling. It's affection. Feel love for God. Feel affection for your neighbor. That is not hard at all. We can do that. But here Jesus uses that Greek word agape. Agape. You know, write that on your fridge at home. Agape. Which means self-emptying love. Love without the thought of return or a reward. Sacrificial love. Selfless and total giving love, which is, you know, that Boston song, more than a feeling. It's much harder than feeling something for our neighbor or feeling something for God. with that in mind, consider the commandment again. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Give God every single little thing you've got in you. Every thought, every feeling, every decision, every single physical action. Empty yourself entirely in sacrifice for God, every inch, every total fiber of your being. And the second part, of course, empty yourself out for your neighbor. Give yourself away entirely for the sake of their good, not just your family and your friends, but your neighbors, that is to say, all the other people. Give them what they need when they need it. Take on the burden of their suffering. Love them perfectly as if they were part part of the very part of you. Love God with everything you've got. And live totally for the sake of your neighbor. So I'll be honest, I'm not sure my friend knew what he was getting into. It's not only harder, it's harder. Much, much harder, if not impossible. I mean, what an All Saints Day message, right? All the saints have fallen short. No one's ever done it, at least not fully. I mean, I have enough trouble giving myself over to the people I love the most in the world, let alone some stranger in need. We just don't have it in us to love like this, no matter how much we say that it's possible. We don't have it in us. You don't have it in you. I don't have it in me. Jesus might, but we don't. Each of us falls short, and that is the absolute truth, even the saints. We don't have it in us. We're not Jesus. I've said before, the summary of the Bible, if somebody were to ask me, I wouldn't say love God, love neighbor. If somebody were to ask me the summary of the Bible is, I'm God, you're not. Each of us falls short, and that's the truth. We don't have it in us. We're not Jesus. But the beauty, the beauty of the Christian message is that we don't have it in us to love like this, and that's okay. We can't love God and love neighbor fully, completely and that's okay. We're not Jesus, and that's okay too. Because while Jesus does show us what a full human life in tune with God looks like, loving God and neighbor completely, fulfilling the commandments to love entirely, and an example of what we were created to be, destined to be, it doesn't end there. Jesus is more than just an example, because if that's all he is, then all he has to give us is a recipe for disappointment, failure, and anxiety. We can't even do the two things he asks us to do. But like I said, he's more than just a teacher. In the Christian tradition, he's more than a teacher. Because in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus not only teaches his disciples what to do, he goes and he perfectly does it. In his full, unrelenting, without reservation, giving of himself in love for God. In his unconditional giving of himself, loving completely of others. In his putting aside all earthly power, prestige, hatred, selfishness, and violence, in obedience to the great commandment to love God and neighbor, even to death and suffering, on a cross. According to Mark, Jesus not only shows us what a human life is like, he reveals to us who God is. He shows us the extent of God's agape, God's love, for each of us and the world. God's self-emptying, God's self-giving love for the sake of a hurting broken world that can't live up to what it's got to do. <clears throat> and when we see this love in action, we discover that the meaning of Christianity, that old-time religion, isn't simply, do this, or do that. Or be like Jesus. Or do what Jesus did. The primary message of Christianity is that we aren't like Jesus. We don't act like Jesus. In fact, our lives are far from it. Even the greatest saint falls short. But God's love for us in Christ, on the cross, isn't for us in our perfection. It's for us in all the ways we fail to give our lives over in love to God. It's in all the ways we hurt, bruise, and betray our neighbors and our loved ones. God's self-giving, agape love for us burns at the center of all things and meets us not only in our joys but in the deepest, most shameful places of our lives and in the darkest places of our hearts and our souls. And that when we receive this love, giving ourselves over to it, the promise is that it's so deep, so wide that it can absorb any defense, offense, drown any sin in mercy and forgiveness. It can transform us from the inside out. Brad Jersak, a writer from the the Comox Valley, not quite, Fraser Valley, puts it like this. The greatest commandment sounds like an ought to, he says. This ought sounds like law and obligation. And yes, Jesus calls it a commandment. But this is not a new religious ladder to climb. Rather, it is what you become when love comes to live inside of you. What Christ asks is that we willingly receive God's transforming grace and surrender to the impulses of Christ's love in our hearts. Once we let go of the willful no in our hearts, this naturally supernatural process of grace simply unfolds and changes us. It's not our ability to love, but the fact that we are loved, that's the beauty At the heart of the Christian message. That the power of God's love for us, that's what makes the difference. And that will change us if we let it. We can't love like this, but the good news is that we are loved like this. For God so loved the world, says the Gospel of John, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. There is a reality, a love that is far greater than our own one that is given to us freely without us doing anything to deserve or earn it. And when we come to the knowledge of this love, when we believe in it and receive it, this love has the power to change us, to summon out of us by the power of the Holy Spirit, the kind of self-giving love for God and love for neighbors that we're created for, one that is normally beyond our power and capabilities. The promise is that when we know ourselves to be loved in this way, we're able to transcend our limitations and become more like Jesus. Our love is the fruit of God's love. Friends, brothers and sisters, we know the truth, and the truth is we don't love God as we oughta, and we don't love our neighbors as we should, or as we need to. You don't. I don't simply because we can't. Our hearts are too weak, our imaginations too small, and souls too empty to love like that. But the good news is that it's okay. It's okay because God in Christ has gone all the way to the end of love for us. This love that brought the universe into being, the love that hung the stars in the sky, this love that is endless has been emptied out in love on the cross and is being poured into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Accept this truth. Believe it. Receive it with every fiber of your being. Let it wash over every inch of your soul and let it into every corner of your life. And one day, you will love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And you will love your neighbor as yourself. one day, by the grace of God. Amen.